Ready, go. Hey, this is Doug Jones. And you know, I like every day of the week, but I really like Saturdays because I get to listen to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. I know! We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hey, good evening, everybody, unless it's morning, in which case you're listening to this at the exact wrong time. Welcome to another new year of area recordings, area recordings? Well, recordings in the Area 51 of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the only podcast to guarantee to remain carbon neutral for an entire year. You know how we do that? Volume. I'm your vaccinated host, The Dome. This is episode 508 which means we've wasted 507 episodes so far. Tonight, however, guarantee you, this is going to be one of the weirdest ones you've ever heard. You're going to love this one. I've loved the pre-show so far. It's another mask-mandated semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51. In this episode, man, I can't begin to tell you how much fun we've had so far. The rest of it better be good, because otherwise we should have recorded the past 15 minutes. Anyway. Tonight in the Area 51 broadcast facility, sitting in at the help desk and snickersnack bar, it's uh, my good friend, uh, Commander Cam. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, actually. You know, I'm looking forward. You gave me, you still, I still have that day pass, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good, because I have tickets to this new play. It's called Hamilton. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. What's it about? No. Is it about the $10 bill? No, 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 no. It's a, the life story of George Hamilton. I mean, seriously, who wouldn't love that? The story of who? George Hamilton, the actor. Oh, I thought it was the, the, the story of the Formula One driver. No, 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 no. Who wants that? You know, this is George Hamilton. Love at first bite. Seriously, George Hamilton's you know. best line was, there are no good mariachi bands in Boston. Yeah, I think that I, I bet you that's in the I bet you that's in the musical. It is. So I'm look. I'm. I'm. Oh, good, 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 good. You've seen it. Okay, good. Because I'm looking forward to seeing this. So I better still have my day pass out of this hand. Yeah, no, you can get you can get your day pass out. I will even get you an armored car to get you past the guards. So uh, yeah, right. get out, out of Area 51 to see George Hamilton the musical. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, listen. Oh, thank you. Tonight, uh, unless it's daytime, in which I would say today on Sci-Fi Saturday Night, um, we get to talk to a, a, can I call you a legend? Well, you can call me a legend. You can call me anything you like. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. (laughs) As long as it's uh, not not something that's 
and as long as it's not going to be something that's going to terrorize small children, you can call me. Oh, we, we're going to terrorize small children before we're done tonight. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, joining us, join, joining us on the show tonight is writing legend of fantasy and science fiction, Mercedes Lackey. Mercedes, God damn it. Welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Well, God damn it. I'm glad to be here. Oh, oh man. I'm telling you, you know, we're supposed to be talking about a, a book of yours tonight, which is called uh, Reboot. Uh, and and Reboot, Undead Can Dance. Um, now, now we, we, we can talk about that. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, but holy crap, it's wonderful to have you on the show. <laughs> well, it's fucking great to be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a clip for the clip show. <laughs> uh, um, wow. How do I, how do I, how do, how do we start this? Um, <laughs> It's not, on, Mercedes, I just want you to put this in, in, in context here. It's not too often. It, it happens like once a year, maybe, maybe once every two years, once in a blue moon. The dumb is this at a loss for words. Just oh, no shit. This moment sure. I am. Um, <laughs> well, how about if we begin with this one? 145 books in print. 145 books in print, both yep. fantasy and science fiction and god damn it you've you've written some really great stuff it's it's it spans a spectrum of work which has gotten you to the point where this year you were given the damon knight memorial grandmaster award by the nebula awards how the hell? How, wow. 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 We, wow. 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 Congratulations. Oh, I ran around squeeing like a little girl for about 45 minutes. <laughs> I'll bet. I mean, how, how did that happen? I mean, how did you find out? How cool was that? Any uh, number of other stupid questions. I had a, uh, I got a message on my answering machine and another one on my email that I should call them and I did and they told me I'd won the award and I sort of lost my mind. Did you did you get to go down and get get one and is it like a big thing? Is it like assuming the the current plague will allow such things. Uh that'll be in May I think at the Nebula Awards ceremony. Oh, how cool. How freaking cool is that i just and you and you know you know what's the coolest part about that for for me listening listening to you is that it's your peers yeah that's pretty that's pretty amazing oh. as 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 uh I'm so fucking tongue-tied right now. <laughs> yeah, I am it loving happen. every moment of this. I love every moment of this tone. I mean, I've I've sat here and I and I can sit and I I can talk to virtually anybody and I just I don't know where to go with this. I got a hundred ways to go with this, and yet 
I don't know where to go with this. And I'll tell you why. Because I've been reading your stuff since I was like, I don't know, 20. Well, you know what's scary is I get occasional letters from people who the letter begins. I started writing, reading your work when you, when I was in high school. And here's an invitation to my kids' grand, to my kids' college graduation. Oh, by the way, I named them after a character in your books. Yeah. Now this no, is. Yeah, I understand this, that. This is both crazy and makes me feel terrible. Old. Oh no, no, no! It's like a fine wine, my dear. It's like a fine wine, and I get that. And like most fine wines, what what's happened with you? And 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 I see this is that you never forgot the basics, because I see the same basics in this book, 178 books later, that I saw in some of your really really early work that you understood way back then. I looked at your biography, uh, and and I'm going to go back and I'm going to quote a little bit out of your biography off your website. Uh, which may be cheating on my part, but fuck it, too bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I began writing out of boredom, and I continued out of addiction. What does that mean? Well, pretty much every writer will tell you that they write because they are addicted to storytelling. And for literally 95% of all fiction writers out there, they kind of have to be addicted and they kind of have to have that that addiction reward of uh, finishing off a book and putting it out there because 95% of all writers do not make a living at it. I am very, very rare in that I'm able to do that. So... I I cannot not write. Nope. So when you wake up in the morning, you that 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 addiction kicks in. And when I go to sleep at night, I go to sleep as I'm mulling over the next plot point. So as, as good as this last book of yours was, the next one is already percolating. Uh, actually, I'm currently working on. call it four books i've I've gotten various stages of uh completion so you're you're juggling two or three or four projects at any one time oh absolutely because when you get stuck on one it sometimes helps to unstick yourself by going to work on another project so and how not, not oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. That. Not everybody can do that. I can. Um, and there is there should be no shame in not being able to juggle more than one project. But I can. And I find it I find it more conducive to productivity than less. So so as as you're coming to a point in a, in a particular book, in a particular story, or even in a particular, with a particular character where you're going, shit, I don't know where to go. Okay, putting you aside, moving over here to this project for a while. At some point, I'm going to figure that point out or it's going to come to me. Exactly. 
That's exactly what happens. So how long how long have you been writing that way? Ah. Uh, or did you have to teach yourself to write that way, or did it just kind of evolve over time? I think it probably started about my fourth or fifth book where I was able to do multiple projects simultaneously. So, so uh, it was, it was, it was just something that developed over the course of, of those four or five books. But I also was a computer programmer and I was a problem solver rather than writing the whole code from scratch. I was a fixer. And so I would always have multiple programming problems that were going on. And I think that might have con contributed to being able to become a multi-thread writer. Gotcha. Okay, so so your the job that you were training for through college kind of gave you that Oh no, framework. I trained as a college uh, as a programmer in college. I have a degree in biology. <laughs> Why so did that, I not know that? That and a uh, and a paper hat and a name tag will entitle you to ask, would you like fries with that at any number of fast food locations? Well, we've all been there. Come on, we've all been there. So. Well, let, no, me, let me ask you the question. Programming was something I picked up, I fell into quite by accident uh, and very nicely kept food on the table for, for quite some time. Was there a book, a, a writer, a, a, uh, a particular story that kind of hit you in the heart and got you moving from a passive reader into a writer? I was writing from the time I was about 10. Wow. And it was Andre Norton pastiches. <laughs> wow. I adored Andre's work. And since she wasn't writing them fast enough for me, I wrote some of my own. That's that's unsurprising. Never showed them to anybody. Uh, they existed only in the form of spiral bound notebooks that I kept under my bed. But that that's that's where the first kind of gut shot came from. Yep. I love in your biography that one of the principles you apply to virtually everything that you've ever written, including the book we're going to talk about tonight. I swear to God, we're going to get to this book. I promise. No, we're not. I, no, we're not. It's not oh, shut happen. up, Cam. Yes, we are. <laughs> is the Bob Heinland principle of Tan Staffel. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Yes. Um, which I have always, because of his uh, ability to understand science 
as well as the science and science fiction, nothing just happens. No. Everything that happens has to have a reason that it happens and a reaction because it did happen. And since I mostly write fantasy, magic is not free. You can't just fix something with magic. And it's all better. And I think that's one of the reasons I love your magic when in everything I've ever written, I mean, everything I've ever read. Bleh, let's try that again. And it just is it because of that principle. And there are a few other authors I can think of. Um, Butcher is another one. But that you, you, you definitely there is there has to be science behind it, even if it is kind of slightly warped by magic's existence. There has to be something behind it that says, hey, there is a you know, there is an end result. If you trying to think of what the wording I heard I read somewhere else, but. You know, there is always a cost there. It, it, it just can't you can't just wiggle your fingers and say an incantation and somebody's better. There is some sort of cost. It has to come from somewhere. That energy, that uh, that power has to come from somewhere. And I love that in your writing because it gives it, it gives magic a reality. It, it makes it feel like it is actually exists. So it, it and there's a little bit of this in this book as well, but. I just I love that in your writing. Well, thank you. It yeah, became... there's there's another Heinlein thing that I apply, which is his rule that science fiction writers are competing with beer. <laughs> Always remember, you are competing with beer, and it's actually holds holds true from the time he began writing to right now, because the cost of a good, decent six-pack is about the same as the cost of a, of a paperback. Ah. So, all of us are competing with beer, and you have to give a better value than a six-pack. Helps kind of keep you in perspective and grounded. I don't know. I've never, I've never found a six pack of beer that's quite as good as a good Heinlein novel. But you know, that's just me. I'm a little weird. Now, as promised, let's talk a little bit about the book, okay. <laughs> which I like. Happened. I would like to think is a very good competitor for beer. Oh, it's an amazing competitor of beer. I would. I haven't had a drink a while reading it yet, so which <laughs> is saying a lot for me. Um, <laughs> um, so now, now we're going to run into another issue. Right? You want to know where it came from? Oh God, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a it's a it's a slightly funny story. Okay, uh, go ahead. Where did this story come from? Someone pitched an anthology to me for vampires, zombies, and werewolves in space, and I thought it was such a stupid idea. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I didn't think he could sell the anthology. Anthologies are a notoriously hard sell in the first place. They are. So, really didn't think that he could could uh, 
he could pull this one off. And I was actually ranting to Cody about it over chat. I have never heard such a more stupid idea in my life. Why on earth would you have zombies, werewolves, and vamp? And I stopped right there because I came up with the perfect reason why you'd have zombies, vampires, and werewolves in space. And that was? And that was near, not, not faster than life, but near light, near light drive, lowest bidder ships. Who do you put on them to crew? Virtually yep. mortal beings who need very little sustenance and you have a high level of coercion over zombies, vampires, and werewolves. The expendables. Mm -hmm. <laughs> expendables. Now let's, let's pause for just a minute and talk about your, your co-writer in, in this book of phantasmic fiction, Cody Martin. Uh, how did you guys meet? We met gaming on the City of Heroes uh, MMORPG. And, and Cody wasn't necessarily a writer when you guys met. No, he was not. Uh, in fact, what happened was I, I prefer the RP part of RPG. Um, and I fell in with a group of RPers, and he was one of them. And in addition to RPing, we had a website where we wrote stories about our characters with each other very often. So collaboration. And I was having so much, this is the thing of, I can't not write. I had what I considered to be really compelling characters. I couldn't not write about them. <laughs> uh, but it's a lot more fun if you're doing it with someone else. So Cody and I uh, began collaborating along with the other people in my Secret World Chronicle superhero series, Dennis Lee and Veronica Gugiere and Steve Libby. And we did that five book superhero series. And about the time that was petering out, Shahid and Mike Resnick pitched at me for a series of novellas, or a pair of novellas, one written by me and one written by Cody, so that you had the, the, the master Padawan relationship there. And that was where the, the reboot started. How cool is that? But when when you and Cody first started writing together, I, and do I, I got to make sure I have my facts straight here, he was just out of high school. He was just out of high school. And I did not know this for a while. I thought he was at the very least in his mid to, to uh, yeah, probably 25, 26 years old, because he had quite a mature writing voice. And that, when he said something about doing high school classes, my jaw pretty much hit the ground and shattered and set teeth everywhere. <laughs> well, there's something to be said for the anonymity of the web, isn't there? Yeah, there is. 
So I, I guess, um, you know, it was, it was funny because uh, as I started trying to do some research on, on Cody, I couldn't even find a website for him. He doesn't have a website. Well, that would be why. There you go. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, the only thing I could find was something on a, uh, a website called Fantastic Fiction. And I'm going, no, this can't be him. He started writing with Mercedes when he was in high school. Yep. Wow. And okay. he would be on he would be on this conversation with us, except for the fact that he has gotten himself a wonderful job, uh, which he also kind of fell into, and is going to provide him with income for as long as his body can keep up with it. But right now he's doing like 60 hour work weeks. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Well, hopefully he's still writing as well. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're we're working on we're working on two other things right now. Oh, you you're you're teaching him to multitask like you do. Three other things. <laughs> so or, anyhow, let's see, let, see, let's see, go back see, to to reboot for just a second if we can. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're we're working on sequel to reboots. Oh Lord! Okay. Oh goody! Um, so you know, as as I'm as I'm reading this, as I'm want to do on my computer, um, the computer as as I read it on on the computer, it makes me lazier than it was when I had a hard copy in my hand. If you know what I mean, because it allows me to look up things as I'm reading it simply by highlighting and saying, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does this mean? Um, you know, and, and some of the stuff clearly just because I'm old, I'm getting and I'm um, I'm enjoying the hell out of some a lot of the references in there. Uh, but and and some of them like uh the uh song of ice and fire stuff that i would have never gotten on my my own because i'm sorry that part of my brain expired years ago <laughs> <laughs> i i just i just don't have enough bandwidth for it anymore so i'm sitting there going oh of course that's what it is thank you uh this this makes it so much easier for me but the bogart where did that come from? You know, good for you for doing that. What made you bring the Bogart in? Well, when we went to do the second part of the original two novellas, obviously we need somebody to track them. And Cody and I both love Detective Noir. And I can't remember if he came up with the Bogart or I did at this point, but it was kind of obvious. Let's go ahead and put in a private eye, an, an, a supernatural private eye, and at that point, supernatural private eye like Humphrey Bogart. Well, why not a Bogart? 
Why not make it HP investigations and just do the Maltese Falcon in outer space? Mm -hmm. Yep. <sighs> and this is what you've done something that I, I love here because a lot of people, and you can have this argument both ways, but that a lot of people say, well, it's fantasy is a, a, a genre, which technically is in, in science fiction, it's genre. but it's also to me, it's very much a setting in which any other genre can exist, including what you've done here, which is uh, noir. You've just set noir in outer space. You could set, well, I mean, aliens is horror in outer space. You could set a romance novel in outer space. You know, it science fiction, I've always felt lends itself to being a setting to virtually anything you think of that you want to try. And I, and I love that, that you, you, you just turned this into a film noir story. And it's just, I think that's what really got me hooked was, yes, and especially- because Cody and I have very twisted senses of humor, we had to make it a funny film noir story. Well, of course, naturally. And why not? I mean, seriously, why the hell not? Well, we did the last half or a third of this book right about when the plague first started. Ugh, Lord. And uh we had begun with it being funny noir, but I said to Cody, people are going to need something to laugh at. We really need to, we really need not to go down the Mickey Spillane road on this. We need to go, we need to go closer to the Douglas Adams spur of the road because people need something to, to laugh about. So that's how it ended up being funny, funny noir, still noir, but funny noir. And you've definitely hit Douglas Adams on this as well. I mean, just it, the way you intertwine, like at one point you you run into, of all things, a Wendigo running a spaceship. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And that was, and a pirate at that. A pirate yes. Wendigo, Ooh. yes, on top of that. And it was just like it, the instant you did that reveal, I'm both going. They didn't do what? Yes, they did. Oh my god, I love it. And it, yes, no, I, I completely am with you on it. It was absolutely a fantastic moment. But it's just the sheer scope of of every fantasy creature you can, because because like you said, when you started it out, it's like who are your best spaceship disposable spaceship people? People that live forever, zombies, werewolves, and vampires. Let's stick them on a ship. But you didn't stop there. You started, you went right into the closet of fantasy and said, well, who else can we pull out? And I did a quick, please forgive me because this is nowhere near complete. But it was like, it was like Wendigos, dwarves, bogarts, pukas, kobolds, gremlins, gnomes, and even, of course, a mention of a dragon in the book. So it's like you pulled everything out of there. And the fun part is they all fit. It doesn't feel like, you know, it's forced. You know, it's like, you know, when you mentioned dwarves, it's like it's while uh, the Bogart is on a mining community and they're going, but of course there's no dwarves there because they do all the quality work elsewhere. And I'm just like, <laughs> yes, yes. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And nothing is shoehorned in. Everything yes. has a spot. Everything has a place. Everything has a reason to be where it is and do what it does. 
and and that Mercedes is kind of the way you write. Nothing gets shoehorned into your stories. Everything gets slotted where it belongs. You never feel as if anything is forced. You never feel as if anything gets jerked into position. Everything flows. And even when a story can get as silly and outlandish as this one gets from time to time, it's still a beautiful piece of fiction and still a fun piece of fiction and still an endearing piece of work and kind of emblematic of what it is that you do. Well, you can kind of thank C.J. Cherry for that. She was my mentor. Mentors only work when you take them to heart and and allow them to speak through you. So, yeah, I can, but <laughs> it also helps that you that you took it to heart and and you learned and 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 you gave that voice back out. Um, it's a very wonderful, wonderful thing that you've given back to the world in all the books. And, and you know, I haven't even gotten a chance to talk about the music that you brought into the world for us uh, through all the specialized science fiction music. Uh, people, people, a lot of people now don't remember a very specialized science fiction music that occurred in the 60s and 50s and 70s called Filks. And uh, you had something to do with that as well. Oh, uh, I didn't get into filking until... Probably the early 70s. Yeah, but you know, there's there's an awful lot of kids out there today who will go, what? Why is this something I've never heard of? And And there's gonna be a time, there is going to be a time, young lady, where I'm going to get you back on the show and we're going to talk filks. Okay. <laughs> and maybe even if I can hey, find I'm some... I'm not cheap. I'm not cheap, but I'm easy. All right. It's my kind of, my kind of guest. <laughs> and, and if I can find some, we're going to play some and, and we're going to listen to them all. And just because well, I... There's a crap ton of it on YouTube. Ah... Uh, there we go. Cam, we're going to have to plan this one out. We're going to have a filk night on Sci-Fi Saturday night. All right. I'll start working on it now. I'm on YouTube right now, so, you know, just saying. Uh, Mercedes, uh, words cannot express what a joy tonight has been for me. And hopefully for our listeners, actually, I don't care whether it's been for our listeners tonight. It's been more fun for me than a <laughs> barrel of elephant. <laughs> screw the listeners. If one of them had fun, fine. If none of them had fun, screw them. Oh, dear. But I mean, right now, you're, you're being sent the golden ticket, which means you're welcome back on this this show anytime for any reason. Or for no reason, as far as well, I'm concerned. Got, you've got my email, and you've got Mickey's email. All you have to do when you want to, got a slot you want to fill, is 
uh, fire me an invite. We're, we're going to fire you an invite and we're going to have Filk Night real soon. How's that? Fun. All right. Our guest tonight has been the SFWA Damon Knight Memorial Grandmaster for this year, Mercedes Lackey. Just one hell of a writer and one hell of a nice lady. Mercedes, thank you so much for coming on tonight. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed being had. <laughs> I've heard that line before and I hopefully bet. from you all we hope to hear it again Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics Plastic City Comic Con The Upper Valley Comic Expo Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine and Comic Art House If you're looking for a great gift idea May we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime, good night, everyone. That sounds good. That sounds perfect.